This is Driven By, a podcast where we explore the intersection between passion and purpose. Sitting down and having conversations with risk takers, change makers, builders, and entrepreneurs to find out what it is that drives them. Hi, I'm Katie, um, co-founder of Coach Katie. I've been in the strength conditioning world for uh, over 10 years now. Um, I've kind of progressed from one-on-one personal training to division one strength and conditioning coach, um, now to an owner and operator of uh, my own business. Yes. And I, um, as I'm sitting here and thinking about the first time that I met you, it was actually when you were a coach at another fitness studio mm-hmm. here in DC. And, um, that class kicked my ass. Um, but as I reflect on it, there's just been so many human beings that I know that you've had a massive impact on, um, just through the fitness space. So I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Um, and so impressed to have like kind of sat back and watched your, your journey and kind of how you stepped into your own space. So, um, I think like, it would be amazing if you could let people understand kind of how you even stepped into the fitness world, how you decided to be a trainer, um, and then eventually an owner operator of your own business. Yeah. Um, well, it all started a long time ago. Uh, when I was deciding on where I wanted to go to college and I was either going to go to um, school for music production in Chicago, or I was going to stay local and go to a small school in Southern Maine called the university of new England for physical therapy. Um, and you know, it was honestly, I went to go visit Chicago, loved every minute of it. And it was a really hard choice. And what's funny, I made the decision because I thought that being a starving artist musician would be more of a grind and a little less um, consistent than being, you know, a physical therapist or working as a strength coach, um, which doesn't actually seem to be too far off from feeling like a starving artist sometimes. But so, yeah, I made the decision there um, and that's where it started. And, you know, as I started going to school, I was learning more about exercise science, which was my undergraduate degree um, and kind of fell in love with it and not the rehab physical therapy portion. Um, I did so many hours of internship as a physical therapist or with a physical therapist, and it just wasn't for me. I realized that there's so much um, missing information in the fitness world and, and like that's available to the general public that I think that everybody should have access to, not just those who are injured or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or are referred to a physical therapist from some doctor. Um, So I kind of, at the end of my time in undergrad, I made the decision to come down to DC for grad school um, with a focus in strength and conditioning. Um, And really wanted to really kind of like learn as much as I could from as many people I could. Um, And so I got my master's in strength and conditioning and started working as a division one strength coach, um, which was great. It was so much fun. I honestly, that the experience that I have there really prepped me for working with larger groups. Um, but it's really hard for a female to work your way up as a division one strength coach. Um, yeah, I cannot imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's a man's world as we know. Right. Um, but especially that industry, you know, there's endless years of experience and free internships, um, and, you know, unexpected travel or your life is dictated by 17, 18 to 20 year olds 
right? And if they mess up or they have a poor performance, it reflects on how you're doing your job, even if you do everything right. Um, you know, so I decided that I was going to, um, reintroduce myself back into the general public and, um, started doing some one-on-one training, which led me to, uh, the fitness industry, um, and the the DC fitness industry too, which is, uh, I think much different than other cities for sure. I kind of agree with that, but I I'm like, I just want to recap everything that we heard because I don't think people realize just looking at a strength and conditioning coach, anybody, how much potential learning and how much potential education and how much work that you have put in, we're talking specifically about you now, but just how much work you've actually put in to kind of get where you are. I mean, you've gone and done way more education than I have done in any capacity. Mm-hmm. And then in, in some sense, like than most people do right. To be able to go yeah. to get your master's degree in such, um, in such a, a, such a specific niche or such a specific topic, but such an important thing to have that deep understanding of the body to be able to accomplish all the things you've been able to accomplish. Um, you touched on being a woman in uh, your specific industry and, and how um, challenging that can be. And I think that's another thing that people probably don't understand. They probably don't really grasp what it's like to be a strength and conditioning or how it's how you're perceived in the space um, by being a woman. So you've kind of highlighted a couple of different challenges yeah. in spaces. I mean, cost of education, I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then also coming up against like, you know, gender barriers and so forth. Uh, how have you been able to kind of persist? How have you been able to kind of keep yourself grounded and, and, and focused? Is it just the well, love that you do? I mean, I, I do love what I do. And I, I, again, I love learning. I, I like, I like challenging my mind and I like feeling like I have all the information before making a decision about somebody's well-being. Um, but some of these challenges, you know, I just saw them as part of this part of the journey, right. Where, um, you know, being a female is something that we always have to struggle with. And we're always a little bit behind because we're women. Um, but what I've realized is like walking into a space where it's 90% men and you're at the same level of them, it's almost just like, you have to stay, stand tall. You have to keep your head high and, you know, you have to expect that there are going to be some some shady comments thrown at you about how you got here and what your experiences experience was. Um, but you know, once you start having these educated conversations, it's very clear to the men that are in the industry that like, you're at the same level as them. If not, you know, more than them. Right. And in no way am I trying to boast, but it's almost like every time I kind of have to prove myself that like, we're on an even playing field here. Mm -hmm. I respect you you should respect me and let's continue to move forward. Doesn't that get exhausting to have to constantly, and I feel like you have to do it less now. And I'm only saying that yeah. there is not one person and we can talk about the DC fitness scene in like two seconds. There's not one person that I have interfaced with in the DC scene, that DC fitness scene that would ever question your capabilities or like your ability to do what you do and to do it informatively and do it well. So um, let me just say first and foremost, like anybody that has seen or knows of you, like absolutely does not question your capabilities or your ability to, to 
be intentional with their body and trust, like trust that whatever you're queuing up from a programming perspective is exactly what needs to happen. That means Um, a lot. Yeah. But I mean, I've got to imagine it's been, it's been kind of a, a trying situation or kind of exhausting to have to go through that at least to get to where you are right now. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It is easier now. Um, especially, you know, owning a business and when people walk into your space, it's your space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, being the head of that space, you already feel the sense of like, okay, they're here for me. So that means they already trust me. They already in some capacity, they're showing up for me. Um, but you know, it did, there were times where it got exhausting and sometimes it still is exhausting when, you know, you go to conferences or you go to other places and you, you meet with somebody or have a conversation with somebody who is already, you know, like belittling you because of who you are, your gender, right. Um, it still does get exhausting. It still does happen, but you know, the accomplishments, um, I've made and the, as far as I've, you know, comment as hard as I worked, you those little comments just don't affect me anymore. You right. know, to me, it's, it takes too much energy to, um, let stuff like that get to me. Um, and it takes a lot less energy to, you know, keep moving forward and continue to put, put practice and work into my, my job. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Well, let's talk about the DC fitness scene because I yeah. do, think, I agree with you. I think it's incredibly unique. Um, having like worked out in other spaces, I would say the same thing is probably true about New York. I mean, there's just like a million options there. So it just gets very heavily diluted and you kind of find your own niche. Um, I was just out in San Francisco, same thing, you know, like that's a berries market, hundred percent hands down. Like <laughs> in mm-hmm. my opinion, berries is, is like Bible out there, but, um, DC fitness is interesting because there are a lot of different like itty bitty communities that live within this massive community. And I think for me personally, the DC fitness scene changed my life. Um, like Mm -hmm. it changed my, my community. It like really gave me identity. There's a ton to be very grateful for, for this specific space. And it's like introduced probably some of the most hardworking, um, well-balanced individuals into my life, but let's talk about you kind of stepping into the DC fitness team. What was that like? What were your expectations? How were you surprised or what, what kind of like came up for you when you kind of stepped into this space? Um, I will be honest. I, the last thing I wanted to do um, after, you know, all of my years of education was be involved in the, the boutique fitness world. That's the last thing I wanted to do. Of course, um, you, know, you have a master's. <laughs> yeah. but, but then I realized, you know, and, and that there's so much information that people don't know. And there are some really successful businesses and really successful gyms um, that do a lot right. Mm-hmm. Um, they build community, they empower people and, you know, they bring people together for this one specific thing, but that specific thing trickles into their everyday life and, you know, helps empower and make people confident. And so they've specialized boutique fitness has specialized in that, um, right. which I think is really special. And it's also something that you see in a strength and conditioning gym. So there's very, they're very, very different spaces. If you walked into a boutique fitness gym, you have this total experience from like the second you walk into the second you leave, when you walk into a strength and conditioning gym, that experience is completely different. The music is almost like just in the background, people are crushing some heavy weights and there's coaches all over the place. You know, it's just a very different environment. And what I wanted to do was make those two environments meet. 
right? Like you can have that boutique experience, but you can also have the high level coaching that gives to, to D1. And when I first got into the, um, the fitness scene, I realized that that didn't exist. Right. Um, and so at the previous gym that I worked at, um, that was probably the closest thing I think at the time. I agree. Um, yeah. Where it like, you felt like this like strong athlete, you had a strong community supporting you. Um, yeah. And, and then I wanted to take it to another level where it's like, how can I make this, the movement patterns be as specific as one individual needs? Like what's your injury, what's your issue with ever. And how can I create still this like fun, wild, elevating experience that like makes you think that you're kind of at a nightclub, but also, you know, surrounded by wonderful people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a surprise. It's kind of shocked to my system being involved. And, you know, the more I learned about the different ways that businesses, you know, marketed themselves, the different things that they saw as like their niche or like, you know, it just, uh, I don't know. It just like, it blew my mind how much I learned. Mm-hmm. And at first I was so like, resistant towards, you know, that industry. Um, but I've learned a lot and, you know, over the years of, you know, you think it's like six or seven years of being in the industry, I've learned so much more about how to apply my knowledge in a way that is a lot more attractive to people. Um, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. I want to pause where we are right now. Cause like we're we're about to step into your, like your entrepreneurial space. Mm -hmm. If you reflect back on just like when you were like a little Katie, like when you were like a kiddo, like what did you want to be when you grew up? Honestly, I wanted to be um, a singer or an entertainer or I wanted to be a professional athlete. Okay. Um, those were two things that I like really wanted to be. Um, I was like very much a tomboy as a child and was very competitive and involved in a lot of like sports activities, playing outside always. Um, and I just, I think that as I grew up, I just wanted to do something that I actually enjoyed and not something that like I had to force myself to do every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so amazing because, you know, a lot of what you are doing now is like (laughs) tied very directly to what you were excited about as a child, which is like always rewarding to kind of like reflect and look back on. So we step kind of like into where we are right now in your life and your life story. And you are like creating your own business. You're like stepping outside of the comfort of an actual like studio space, which, you know, that studio space, like I agree. It's one of the ones where it can be a little intimidating the first time you walk in because Mm -hmm. it is like that. It is for athletes. Almost. It feels like it is for athletes. Um, and the lights are, you know, low and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And you've taken kind of a very like different twist on the entire experience. Um, how did you kind of come up with your concept? Maybe explain it a little bit, because I think a lot of people, um, that are listening may not have, have been exposed or maybe not have like been inside one of your, your workout spaces personally today. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you kind of get to where you are? Um, honestly, there was a very, this has been a a ongoing vision of mine, you know, for a very long time. Um, again, bringing it back to when I finished with my master's and I was working in as a division one strength coach, Um, I saw these athletes from ages again, you know, 17 or 18, all the way to 21, maybe that had all access to everything you could ever imagine for their healthcare. They had a physical therapist on site, they had an athletic trainer on site, they had a strength and conditioning coach on site. And all three of us would talk to each other 
and we would, I would know if you were coming into class, I would know what your injuries were, what things I needed to avoid, what things I needed to work on. So then I would tailor what I programmed specifically so that you could continue to progress without limiting you physically from participating in your group lift. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, why doesn't the general public have that? Like, why doesn't the average day-to-day person have access to all these things where you can walk in and I can already know what your injury or your issue is without you having to try to, you know, remember what your physical therapist said and give me maybe an incorrect version of what she said or he said, you know? And so I really wanted everybody to have access to that. And I didn't want anybody to feel limited because they felt like they were out of shape or had an injury or, you know, anything like that. Um, So that's where, sorry, do you think the average person like understands they need that? Like, no, uh, no. Right. Like there's just a lot of people step into fitness. I mean, my like fitness journey is hilarious. I was, I like was an athlete athlete in um, Mm -hmm. high school and I, then I was like, Oh, I'll just run a bunch and like, I'll be like fit and like, I'll be able to be skinny and whatever. And then I'm like, Oh, I need to lift weights. Like I can't just be doing yoga. Like you just, you don't really know what you don't know. Right. And I just absolutely person understands. Well, the average person definitely doesn't understand. Um, but it's also things that we weren't really taught. Like we're never really taught, you know, with lifting weights, wasn't necessarily something that we associated with our health and well-being until like, you know, pretty recently. I mean, even for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches were kind of around, but even back then, you know, not many of them really knew the science behind how or the research behind how it was improving somebody's performance. Mm -hmm. Um, but then turn that into like a health response, like, you know, running might be pretty easy because you don't need equipment. You you can go whenever you need to, you don't have to like find a, a place or sign up. Um, but actually like a lot of people injure themselves running because they don't understand the mechanics of their body and, you know, poor mechanics when running can cause injuries, right? Lifting weights helps you know, decrease the risk of injury, but it also teaches you so much more about your body, um, which a lot of people don't, don't know. Right. No, I I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just like, as you're saying, and it's just like, yeah, duh. Like, why wouldn't people want access to that? But that's a matured mind for me. That's not something that I would have had. I wouldn't have thought that like 10 years, five, 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, so many people live day to day in pain. Um, and they think that that pain is just like, oh, I'm just getting old or it's aging or I've always had a bad knee. And it's like, that's not a way to live. And that's not how you should be living. And there are people that you can access that can relieve that pain and improve your quality of life. Um, and I think a lot of people just don't know that. Or a lot of people think they're injured, so they can't do that. Or the they're injured, so lifting weights is going to hurt them. But in reality if they're doing it properly with a great coach, it's actually going to help you. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So I, I, yeah, I don't think a lot of people know that. No, not at all. All right. So you have this idea of wanting to bring all of these things to the forefront to your clientele. And then how do you kind of get to now? Like, how do you kind of get to the space where you have full classes of humans showing up <laughs> like outdoors and just yeah. going and you have a, um, you have everything right now. Yeah. I mean, it started with a walk in the woods, um, with Burns, who's the co-founder and, um, both of us had just got like experienced some, like, 
you know, pretty negative stuff in our life. And we were honestly walking through the woods and I um, specifically just told her about the vision that we just talked about, where I want a space where all these people can come together and have all like full access to this knowledge. And she was like, well, why don't we, why don't we just do it? Yeah. I was like, what year is this? This is 2020. This is June, 2020. Okay. I think. And she's like, well, why don't we just do it? We're in COVID like, at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It was a pandemic business. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we were like, okay, well, what needs to be done? Like, you know, there's so much out there and how are we going to make ourselves seem legit? And, and we really need to take ourselves seriously if we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we started the process of looking for a booking system. That's very easy to use, like very hundred percent user experience, right? That's going to make us seem like we have our shit together and we do. Right. Um, so that was the first thing. And then it was like, okay, well, what's next? You know, how are we going to get all this money to invest in equipment? And, you know, how are we going to, find a space and what, in, in reality, we didn't really need a space. We didn't need a physical space. We just needed a park. And it started with, because of the pandemic, it started with everybody bringing their own bands. Um, and so everybody had their own little bag of bands and they'd bring it with them. And we would go through a training program. Um, and then slowly as more people started coming, we started to invest in equipment. Um, I think some of our early athletes can tell you that all we had were 30 pound dumbbells because I grabbed like whatever I had for my house. And so every single person, whether they were like the strongest athlete or just starting out was, um, using this 30 pound dumbbell in some way. Um, and then, you know, we just, as we started to build again, started to invest in more equipment, um, you know, started to invest in having a sign that hangs out on the fence so people can acknowledge us. Um, we have, you know, Gatorade and water available. We have towels, we have, you know, a tent for the hot summer season. Um, mm -hmm. so we've really kind of like, oh, and hand warmers for when it's 13 degrees out. Bless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've just kind of like, we, we went all we went all in, we made the decision and, you know, we took every step, um, forward thinking about how we can provide the best service, um, for, for an athlete or for an average person to feel strong in their own skin, in their own body. Sure. Yeah. So today, when, when I think about the, the people that attend your classes, mm -hmm. they're all different types of humans. There are a lot of uh -huh. athletic people that, that show up, but then there's also people that are maybe not necessarily looking at them. You'd be like, Oh, that person's obviously like super fit. How mm -hmm. important is you, for you to kind of redefine the word athlete? Like, for your I think that so many people are, are like, you know what? I really kind of hate high school and middle school for this reason. Um, <laughs> right. Because when we're young, you know, we're, we're, you know, we create this, this dialogue, this inner dialogue, and we develop our own personality traits based on what people told us. Right. Like when you're little and you're good at music, people assume that, you know, you're going to be a band geek or you're going to be this person. Um, and then you have somebody who's a jock and then you have somebody who's like, you know, they've just classified us. And in reality, you can have somebody who is a band geek and really strong and an athlete. And I think a lot of people just chose one lane based on what people kind of described them as and stayed in their lane. And then as they got older and they were realizing that they need to, you know, implement more physical activity, it's almost like they were scared to because they were never seen as an athlete or were they never thought of themselves as being somebody who is 
athletic. And in reality, it's the same thing as learning an instrument. You have to teach yourself, but it's never too late to teach yourself. It's never too late to be more, um, you know, to be stronger. And it's never too late to work on coordination and it's never too. So I think everybody kind of starts at a different level, but I think that every single person is an athlete. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, I, I asked the question very leadingly in some capacity because, you know, I'm, I'm five foot four. I played sports in, in high school. So at the time I thought I was an athlete. I kind of like disassociated mm-hmm. with that identity later in life, but then I've mm-hmm. come back to it. Right. Where I'm like, no, I do work out seven days a week. And like, I do shit that other people wouldn't necessarily like want to get up and mad them to do. I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah it may not be what people like see and perceive about individuals just by looking at them. And I, I, I think it's for me, as I, I see the, as I see people that show up to your class and they show up consistently, I think that's the one thing mm-hmm. that is worth calling out is that you have such a loyal population and such a loyal community of people. And I think a lot of it has to do with trust, but I think it's also these people that have kind of tapped into this idea that I'm an athlete, even if I may not have mm-hmm. identified as one previously. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that the thing I love about our, there's so many things I love about our community. Honestly, I could go on for days about how wonderful. (laughs) I could go on for days about how wonderful and how, you know, each specific individual is a piece to this like amazing, beautiful puzzle. And I could go on for days about that. But what the thing about what I like to, to really focus on is uh, making everybody feel safe making everybody feel like they're empowered and stronger when they leave. Um, and every workout isn't about like completely crushing somebody's soul. Right. It's not like I, yeah, there are some days where it will be pretty intense and they're leaving like, you know, what just happened. Right. But there are other days that are specifically programmed for somebody to come in when they're not really having the best day and still get a really strong lift in and a strong, um, workout in, Right. So that later in the week, they don't feel completely burnt out. They actually feel like they can continue to like keep going and keep doing their daily activities and like, you know, go to another workout, whatever they want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, to touch on that. Yeah. I, I just, every single person's an athlete. It doesn't matter whether they, you know, see themselves that way or not. Um, I do like to bring it out in certain people and I do like to see, um, you know, that, that like light flash in their eyes and that like yeah. moment where they're like, Oh my God, did I just do that? And you're like, yes, yes, you actually did. Um, yeah. And so that's a really exciting moment. And that's you know part of the reason why I do what I do. Yeah. hundred percent. So as you think about, um, kind of the evolution of, of coach Katie, like mm-hmm. what's the, what's, what's the like path look like for you going forward? Is it kind of continuing to do what you do? I mean, how many classes do you teach today? Right now we offer means count here <laughs> Monday through <laughs> Monday through Friday. So one, two, three. I think about 15 classes total. And you're teaching all of them. Yeah. Um, no, Burns teaches okay. half of them. Got it. Yeah. So we will alternate between the six and the 7am classes. Um, so she teaches the six, I'll teach the seven and then we'll switch the next day. Um, and then on Saturdays we co-coach the class. Um, and you know, that's like a surprise format, you know, um, we like to like use it as a way to either introduce a little bit more conditioning or, you know, just practice some different formats that we might use on a day-to-day basis. Sure. Um, and then we've expanded out to, um, Northeast. Um, and we, 
offer classes there on Fridays at 9.30, which we both coach together. And then on Tuesdays, I think we're going to start coaching out there as well. Okay. Yeah. So, so do you see yourself continuing to expand to other like quadrants of DC or what's, where's the bandwidth? Like where do you um, your, your breaking point or do you hire more people? Well, that, I think that's the next step is definitely hiring another coach. Um, I think that it's going to be necessary for us to either um, provide more classes. I think which are, which is, is our biggest limitation to growth is um, the limited schedule availability that we have. Um, you know, six and 7am is a great time to have classes, but it's not great for everybody. Um, and a lot of people want that nighttime class. Um, but because of, you know, lack of coaching, waking up at 4am to coach a six and a 7am and then trying to come back and coach a 5.30pm is just unrealistic. Um, yeah, it's just, we did it last year. Um, and it, it, it became very clear to me very quickly that, it wasn't something that we could maintain. Yeah. Um, well, if yeah. you um, look at your, the June, 2020 to where you are today, mm-hmm. can you tell me what was your biggest challenge or what's been your biggest challenge outside of the schedule and limitation that we just talked about? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are you most proud of? The biggest challenge, um, honestly, I I say this because I think I just love what I do. It's a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, (laughs) It is, it is. And there's so many things that you tell yourself that scare you. Yeah. Right. That are like, Oh, okay. Well, if this business goes goes under, what am I going to do? Or what's this? Like, um, I think honestly, the biggest challenge is probably the voice that's in my own head um, is one part. Uh, You know, I always second guessing yourself and, and, you know, making sure that everybody's having a good time. And another challenge would be um, probably probably being outdoors, I think, is a pretty big challenge yeah, um, and not probably. being able to control yeah, the weather. You're outside 100% of the time. There 100%. Is no other option for you. You don't get the, oh, if it's raining, we go inside. If it's snowing, mm-hmm. we go inside. But again, it's the dedication. Like your community is so dedicated to what you do. And it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, they keep showing up, so we'll keep showing up. I, our community is very driven, um, yeah, dedicated, loyal for sure. Um, and honestly, we show up for each other, right? It's just, it's definitely not a one-way street. Like the, the amount of, um, the amount of time that I spend thinking about, you know, yeah, it'd be nice to turn off my alarm and go back to sleep, right? But you have these wonderful people that are going to show up and you're going to show up, you're going to get through it together. And afterwards, everybody leaves feeling better. Everybody leaves smiling. Everybody leaves feeling empowered. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they are probably what fuel most of the day-to-day grind that we do for sure. Yeah. Amazing. And then as we reflect, what are you most proud of? Is it the community? Is it? I would say that I'm proud of the community for sure. I would say that, um, working with your partner, like your romantic partner and, um, we, we fuel each other very well. So I'm very proud about how the two of us have come together and really create this wonderful experience for people. Um, but I, I mean, there are moments where I do step back and I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of, you know, the, the, every day I show up and I make sure that I'm fulfilling my philosophy and making sure that I am being true to myself as a coach, 
um, and providing the absolute best possible training for each individual, not, not just the group as a whole, but like every single person, whether it's the most athletic person in the room or, you know, our 65 year old client who comes back every, like every few weeks, you know? So I think that I'm, I'm proud of that. I, yeah, there's, I guess there's a lot to be proud of. I mean, you, you should be, you should be proud of yourself. You should be proud of the opportunity that you have provided for other people. I mean, there's just, there's a lot to sit back and acknowledge about the work that you've done and what you've been able to build. So I love that answer. I think that's great. Be proud of yourself as well. Um, one question I'd like to ask people is mm-hmm. like, what is your one piece of advice you'd give anybody that is considering entrepreneurship, considering taking a risk about on themselves, stepping outside of their comfort zone? What's one piece of advice that you would give them? Um, my piece of advice would be um, to stay true to yourself and trust your gut and trust your intuition. If you feel like it's the right thing and, and you're inspired and like pumped up to do it, it's going to be successful. Right? Like if you wake up and you think about this thing every day, if you're willing to put in all your energy, it's going to be successful if you're really excited to, about doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but be true to yourself, right? If there are moments of hesitation, if there are moments that like feel wrong, there's probably something off and there's probably something wrong and it, and it takes, and it definitely needs attention, right? And so I think trust your gut. Honestly, if it's what you really want to do, it's going to be successful. Um, and another thing I would say is try to enjoy the slower moments, right? The moments where you might be scared that it's gonna like, am I failing or whatever? Enjoy those slow moments. Um, you know, because it's always going to get busy again. It's always going to be a grind. Um, and sometimes those slow moments, you shouldn't spend your energy and your time being scared and you should actually spend some time to take care of yourself and do some, do some self-care for sure. I love that. So if people want to um, get on board, join the community or take class with you or just check it out, how should they find you? What's the best way to stay in the know um, and all that good stuff? Yeah. So if you go online um, to katiecollard.com, it's my first and last name, you can add your email address in and we send out an email every week that gives you updates on like um, whether we're hosting some parties or, you know, if we're doing any community events, um, and also lets you know, like what to expect through the week. Um, but you can also find the schedule there, uh, all the information about what to expect, expect during classes, um, how we program classes. Um, and you can even find some links to recommended outdoor, outdoor gear, um, for, for winter months, but also for some summer months. So honestly, the website has all the information, um, another way to reach out to get in the know um, is following me on Instagram, uh, Katie underscore Collard. And I'm on there regularly. I answer messages. So if they have any questions, that's definitely the best way to reach out personally. Amazing. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. I personally do need to drag my ass out to a class. Uh, Every single time I'm just like, no, I don't know. But it's also been a really like aggressive journey for me to like get to a place where I feel comfortable in those like heavily athletic spaces. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, again, have just 
let, I want to let you know that I have been sitting back and totally cheerleading you on from a distance quietly and outwardly to people that I know that attend your classes. I'm just, again, super, super impressed by all of your hard work and just the, the means in which you do what you do. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time to have the conversation with me. And hopefully this has been uh, helpful for others to feel that level of inspiration and also be able to trust their guts. So thank you so much. Katie. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, give us a follow on Instagram, driven by underscore blank, share it with your friends, pass along the good word. And for the love of God, continue to acknowledge your passions. Let love be your guide and always walk in purpose. Until next time, I'm Karen, and this has been a conversation about the intersection between passion and purpose.